Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes, just like you and me, that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch, and I'm excited to have with me today, Ironman Wisconsin finisher, Paul Wilson. Paul, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm quite uh, honored, I guess. Well, it is a select group uh, is, that have been... <laughs> No, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you taking time uh, out of your day uh, to hang out with me and to and to share some stories. I don't know about you. I love talking triathlon and all things, yeah. and hopefully you do as well. Yeah, I mean, I I get this uninterrupted opportunity to sit down with another triathlete and just talk triathlon. I mean, how much better does it get? I know, right? I, it's my, I, it, it's yeah. so great. In fact, Paul, that I started my own podcast just yeah, to, just so to accomplish that, right? Very smart. Yeah, and and we do have some things we want to talk about. Um, okay, but before we get too deep into conversation, I always like um, for my guest to give us a little le- a little level set. Uh, about where they are, right? So I always like to ask, you know, where you live? Are you married? Do you have kids? Um, were you athletic in school? You know, that kind of thing. Can you uh, can you provide that yeah, yeah. for us? Yeah. So I'm uh, about to turn 60 years old here in July, mm. which is kind of hard to believe. Um, I'm married. My wife's name is Charlotte. We've been married uh, 33 years. Oh, congratulations. Together we have uh, two sons. Uh, 26 and 21, both of them, uh, well, one of them is a graduate of the University of Texas. The other one's a current junior at the University of Texas. So we're kind of big Longhorn fans. Sounds like it. Uh, great kids, uh, have a great home. We love, love family. And it's kind of nice that they're only about an hour, hour and a half away. So I live here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, just outside of San Antonio. And I'm a pastor uh, at a church called Cibolo Creek Community Church, where I started the church uh, 25 years ago, and I've had a wonderful experience. And uh, cool. I think a little bit of the nature of my schedule as a pastor gives me some flexibility. And a few years ago, I got interested in the sport of triathlon. And and so it's been a kind of a fun journey, not only for me personally, but to share a little bit of it with my congregation and things I'm learning about myself and about life and even about faith through the whole struggle of becoming an Ironman. But, uh, you know, growing up, the way I describe it, I was, I've always been an average athlete. I went to small schools. I went to a small private high school. So, you know, if you went out for the team, you made it because uh, there was, it was just a small student body. And um, I, was, I was never the fastest, but I wasn't the slowest. I wasn't the worst athlete. I wasn't the best athlete. Um, fairly coordinated. Um, uh have a good understanding. I played uh, basketball, soccer, ran some track. And um, I was never, I was never incredibly competitive. I wasn't like cutthroat competitive. I liked sports for the camaraderie's sake. I got to hang out yeah. with my friends. Yeah. And uh, it was as much about the game as it was going out after the game and getting dinner and, and hanging out with all your friends. So um, I got to play sports primarily because of the size of schools that I went to. I think if I had gone to a larger, you know, public high school, more competitive um, group of athletes, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm certainly I wouldn't have started. I might have made teams. But um, and so, you know, I got opportunity to play sports 
And then I went off to college. I went to a small private college and I uh, played two years of soccer and then uh, ran uh, two years of track at, at the college level. Again, small college. And, um, and then I blew a knee out playing college soccer my sophomore year and uh, tore my ACL, had it repaired. And really from there, sports kind of changed for me. I was always a little worried about bumming my knee up again Mm -hmm. because I remember the pain. It hurt so bad when it happened. I was like, I don't ever want that to happen again. And so really after college, I didn't really do much. I didn't do anything by way of organized sports. Um, you know, pick up basketball here and there, played some tennis. Um, I, I was the two week guy every new year. Um, I'd make some new year's (laughs) resolutions. I was going to lose some weight and get in shape. And I'd, I'd jog for two weeks or I'd lift weights for two weeks and then, you know, two weeks and I'd get tired or something would come up and, and break the the schedule and I wouldn't get back to it for another, another nine, you know, another 11 months. And so that was my story. And then with, with graduate school and marriage and a career, I, I literally was doing nothing very athletically, um, oriented until I turned 50. And that's kind of when the triathlon story happened. Wow. So, so that's a, that's a lot of information to unpack there, Paul. So we're going to break that down to just a little bit before we get into your triathlon journey. But, um, so you are a, uh, are you a vocational pastor? Is that your full-time job or do you have? Okay. No, that's what I do full-time and, uh, have been doing it now 30 years, but 25 here. And did you have, did you work uh, in, in a traditional sense prior to that, or have you always been called to ministry? Um, I worked, uh, just, uh, two years out of graduate school until I found an opportunity to begin full-time ministry service. And, uh, gotcha. started out in Wisconsin. That's my connection to Wisconsin and, um, served a church up there for six years. And then my wife and I moved here to San Antonio to start the church that I currently pastor. Okay, so you're not a you're not a uh, a native Texan. Uh, you weren't born I here. You just not. got here as fast as you could. Exactly. <laughs> That's how the yeah, expression I, goes. I, I was born in Maryland, raised in Pennsylvania. I came here to go to graduate school in Dallas, and I absolutely love Texas. Um, I've lived now in Texas longer than I've lived anywhere else. My wife is a Texan. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a proud member of the state of Texas. <laughs> um, I think I've shaken most of my Yankee stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love Texas. That's funny. That's yeah. My, my wife gets frustrated with, with me sometimes I was born in New York state, but okay. I was two when we moved. And when I, when I tell people that I'm from New York, she's like, no, you're not. No, she goes, no, you're, no, you're not. You're 50 years old. You've exactly. lived here 48 years. You're a Texan, right? Just, just get over it. Yes, exactly. That's funny. So you, you said that you felt like you were able to play sports because you lived in, or you went to a small school, right? right. Is that, is that some sense of a, a modest, uh, position or do you really feel that way? No, I, I really feel that way. I, again, I'm, I'm only like five, nine. I've never been, you know, really tall. So I played guard and basketball and, and the truth of the matter is I could only dribble with one hand. Mm-hmm. And so once my defender figured out I couldn't go left, he'd always push me <laughs> that way and steal the ball. And, and, um, but 
I was hanging out with my friends and yeah. we were having a good time. And, and I was a, I was enough of an athlete that I could start on the team that was starting guard. And then I started it. Uh, I played a halfback in um, soccer. And again, I'm, I'm coordinated and I'm fast and quick, but I, I think put me against uh, at that time, put me against 10 other high school athletes from a larger, you know, athletic base, like a public school. And I don't think I would have, um, I would have been able to, to, to stay with them. Yeah. Well, I went to a small school and I didn't make, uh, I didn't make my team either. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm definitely not calling you out. I was just curious if you were being yeah. overly, overly modest. Uh, you know, you know, the funny thing is all through high school and college, whenever I received an award in sports, it was always like, you know, Mr. Sportsmanship or Mr. Enthusiasm. Oh, there you go. I was always the big team cheerleader. I, I loved being a part of a team and getting my team all, you know, build up ready for whatever we were doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's actually sort of true now as a triathlete. Um, I, I'm, I'm always a back of the packer athlete, triathlete. That's where I am. And I'm okay with that, but man, I am the thanking machine out on the course. I'm, I'm thanking volunteers and policemen and I'm, you know, urging and encouraging my other triathletes that are passing me up and that's good. I I'd rather have that than anything, I guess, is just be a good sport about it all. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm totally with you there. Um, as, as much as I am more competitive than I wish that I was, um, because my skills don't, don't back up my competitiveness, if that makes <laughs> yeah, any yeah. sense whatsoever. Right. No, like I'm does. struggling to come to terms with my limited skill set. Um, right. it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to be grateful sometimes. Right. And just to show people, Hey, think, you know, a little, little gesture or a little thank you here and there, because as we all know, uh, and, uh, I believe it was Miss Angie Jackson who pointed it out to me, right. With can't have a race without volunteers. She challenged me last year, uh, mm. to volunteer and I'm currently signed up. We're down to uh, just a few weeks. Um, mm -hmm. by the time this episode airs, I will have already fulfilled my volunteer duties, uh, for the year at, uh, yeah, Iron, Iron Man 70.3 Texas, uh, in okay. Galveston. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually signed up for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, even though, so I'm part of a relay team. I'm going to do the swim portion, so I'm doing okay. athlete check-in on Friday. I'm doing bike check-in on Saturday. I'm swimming Sunday morning, and then I'm doing finish line uh, volunteering oh, wow. at, at the second shift. So I've got, I got like all the boxes checked. It's gonna be yeah, uh, it's gonna be an you. awesome be weekend. Great, yeah, that will be. It's gonna be awesome. Well, so let me ask you this: So you, we already we already uh, said that you finished Ironman Wisconsin. Right. And I have been to Wisconsin as a state and Wisconsin is beautiful. I have seen pictures, uh, particularly some iconic images of the finish line area where the capital of Madison is in right. the background. But my question to you, Paul, is what prompted you to choose Iron, Miss, Iron Man Wisconsin as your full distance race? 
Yeah, uh, a couple of a couple of factors went into that. Um, I, I was looking for a certain time of the year. I I don't race well in heat. Um, I've run a number. Most of my races have been in Texas, so I know that on the run, uh, hot Texas summers really take it out of me. So I was looking yeah. for a fall race. Okay. Um, I was looking for a lake swim rather than an ocean swim. Um, primarily because I, I just was trying to eliminate the factors that would make it harder than it was already going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very comfortable in lake, you know, open water swimming. Um, not, I don't have much experience in, um, ocean water swimming. Okay. And so I, I wanted a lake swim just so I could kind of, um, limit the number of other things I had to think through. Mm-hmm. And then I just have a, I have a kind of a fond connection to Madison. I, um, in college when I did my internships, I, I, I did them in Madison. And then uh, my wife and I, in my first uh, job, we, we lived in Madison for six years. So I have all okay. sorts of fond memories of Madison. It's where I took up cycling, um, when I was, um, a, a college intern there in Madison. Some people introduced me to cycling because cycling's huge in the Madison area. Did not know so that. that's where I sort of took up cycling. And then I just have so many great friends that live in Madison. I knew that I could bed down at somebody's place for free and I wouldn't <laughs> have to pay for lodging. So- and um, it, it actually worked out great. Some of my very closest friends in life, that their home is actually on the bike course. And um, they uh, they're empty nesters, so they had this great room downstairs for me to to bunk down in. They had this big pool table in the the room outside of my bedroom, and I could just spread out all my things, yeah, pack my bags before race day, and uh, it was great to be with them. They were a part of my whole Ironman journey that day, and uh, so I just had a lot of. I I thought it'd be fun to go back to sort of my you know roots there. And uh, just enjoy. Plus, I had heard nothing but uh, incredible praise for the whole Madison uh, Ironman Wisconsin venue, from gotcha. the the scenery to the primarily the fan support is just incredible throughout the entire day. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that would be a fun race to do. I'd always it always received high marks and. So that those were some of the reasons why I chose it. Gotcha. Well, that makes that makes all sense. We have a, you have that connection definitely in the fall. I'm going to ask you a question about the oddest of things because yeah. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only person that at least has the thought process of I could stay for free somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But I had actually mentioned that to somebody once uh, in conversation. I was like, yeah, I know somebody down there. I could just stay with them. And they're like, you can't just invite yourself. How did that conversation go with your friend? Of How did, how did you actually go from thinking you could save money on a hotel by staying with somebody and actually getting into their house like how did how did talk me through that really quick these these people are like family to me so it was calling them and saying hey i'm coming to madison in september to do iron man wisconsin can i stay with you guys and they're like absolutely and they they would have been offended if i didn't so it's the direct approach 
Oh yeah, just go right in. Okay. See, I was trying to calculate. Do you have, do I have to you know come up with the story of the, all the hotels are sold out, and I waited to the last <laughs> minute to make a booking and all of this stuff, no, right? No, they they are truly like family. And the the cool thing is, I could have called maybe five other families that I just their dear dear friends have been for uh, thirty years of my life. I could have some of them offered. A, if things don't work out with Pat and Larry, you're welcome to come stay at our place. So I had a, That's awesome. had a couple of options. And as you know, and as other triathletes know, this sport's expensive. Yes. And an Ironman race is really expensive. So when you take like the race registration just out of itself, I think I paid 850 bucks for Ironman Wisconsin. Then you think about plane fare. I shipped my bike up there. You think about all of the stuff that you're buying for race day, as far as, you know, your nutrition and all that. It's really, really expensive. So the thought of putting a hotel on top of that is, it's just astronomical. And I actually made my whole Ironman race experience like this epic journey. So I went up a week early and oh, cool. just kind of got acclimated to the weather, got to drive around the the bike course with my friend uh, two different days and kind of scout it all out and uh, just really relax in not being in a rush to try to, you know, get off a plane, get my bike in the, you know, transition and everything. It was just, it was really a delightful experience. And then I stayed an extra, my wife came up and joined me for a couple of days and then I stayed an extra five days so i was almost there for for 10 10 days wow all told and it was wonderful i just took vacation time and just soaked it all in it was great yeah so so let's let's back up for just a second because you didn't just wake up one day and say i'm gonna race ironman wisconsin right you had alluded in the kind of in the opener that you know you you had hit 50 like some of us do i did it (laughs) right? Uh, talk us through how you went from what you considered yourself an average athlete in high school to spending the money, the $850, uh, to sign up for Ironman Wisconsin and all the things that went through that, right? This wasn't your first triathlon, right? You had some, you had some, you, you had some experience coming in. Can you talk us through that just a little bit? Yeah, I, it's, it's a great story. I, um, so when I was like maybe 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, um, at the time I was receiving a subscription to Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading an article about this thing called the Ironman race. And I think at the time it was when, when uh, Sports Illustrated did the article, I think it was the second year that the race had been run okay. in Hawaii. And so it was really kind of, I remember the article being from a vantage point, like there's this crazy group of people <laughs> that get together in uh, Hawaii and they do this, this amazing race. And I, I remember reading it like, that's impossible. There's no way human beings could do that. Um, swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 and run a marathon. In my mind, a marathon alone was impossible. Yeah. But, and I I was sort of like, you know, they have to be like aliens from another planet. They've come to earth to show us (laughs) mere mortals, uh, you know, what we are. And I literally, I was just fascinated with this race. And my conclusion was, 
I could never do that. I'm yeah. I'm just not that kind of a athlete. These are elite groups of uh, athletes that do this. And so while I knew I could never do it, or that's the premise that I worked under, I was fascinated that people did do it. Mm-hmm. And so I just became a big fan of the Ironman race. And every, you know, every fall when either I, ABC, Y World Sports or whoever would do, do the broadcast of the the race i was there i was watching it you know i just thought this was amazing and i did that for 40 some years just huge fan of of the iron man race and to just show you how even limited my understanding was so when i turned 50 uh, which is a a whole thing I, i shortly after turning 50 years old i woke up like two or three days after my 50th birthday I was laying in bed. My eyes were still closed. I'm just sort of hatching. And this thought came into my mind that literally jolted me awake. I sat up on my elbows and I thought, oh my gosh. And the thought was, you now have less life ahead of you than you have behind you. Mm-hmm. Like the likelihood that I was going to live to be a hundred is small. Yep. And this created a, a sense of urgency in me and it, and I'm a contemplative by nature. I'm a thinking kind of person. I spent two years really examining and reflecting on my life, like where I was at age 50 and things that I had always thought I'd, where I'd be at that age and things that I thought I'd had done. And I noticed, I observed that there were some things that I hadn't, I hadn't done and I hadn't accomplished. Mm-hmm. And in this two year uh, period of reflection, I made a commitment to do five things before I died. And one of them was become an athlete. Mm. Um, I had always enjoyed the camaraderie of athletics and I really missed it. And so then it was a matter of, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to play soccer again? Well, I was worried about my knee. Um, I hate running. So like, I'm not going to take up any running thing. And, <laughs> and, and then I, I saw this, it was just like, well, you're going to need to do something really big, gargantuan sort of, you know, um, challenge. And that's when I said, maybe I could become an Ironman. Mm. And I was, I was 52 by the time I'd gotten through that period of reflection. I made, I said, well, I, I can't do an Ironman, but I would like to try a triathlon. And just to show you how ignorant I was, you know, I get on the internet. I didn't know that there were four different, you know, race distances. Mm -hmm. That was all brand new information to me. And I looked at, you know, I started studying, you got the sprint, you got the international distance or, you know, the, and you got the half and the full. And I thought, well, I'm terribly out of shape. I'm 40 pounds overweight, but I I need a goal. And I thought, well, the sprint looks doable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm going to try a quarter distance race and uh, found one here in uh, Austin, Texas. And I think I had eight months before the race and I just, I just jumped in. I had a bike, Mm -hmm. you know, just a road bike. I said, I got that. I got a pair of running shoes. I mean, I can buy a pair of running shoes. I knew nothing about swimming. I knew how to swim because I, you know, grew up swimming in pools and rivers and stuff, but I'd never swam competitively. So I didn't know how that all worked. And um, did some research, found a place and a person to kind of help me with that. And then I just did my first triathlon um, up in Austin. 
and I was a nervous wreck. I mean, I was like everybody, I was just sure that everybody I would meet were going to be these experienced triathletes mm-hmm. looking at me like, who's this loser? <laughs> and, you know, spandex doesn't lie. So the 40 pounds extra that I was carrying, I was just felt so out of place and conspicuous. Yeah. And what happened, Mike, was I met some of the nicest people I'd ever met. They couldn't have been more generous, more gracious, uh, introducing themselves, finding out this was my first race, offering some, you know, advice and some tips and suggestions about setting up in transition. And I mean, it was just, I had a great experience. And um, I said, okay, I'm going to do this again. And uh, like four months later, I, I did another one. And, and then I, I did uh, two or three races a year. And they were typically the the quarter distance um, here here around you know Texas. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of said, "Well, I wonder if I could do a half." Mm-hmm. Which, again, the honest truth is, the thought of me running thirteen miles was a nightmare. I just I hate running. I don't. I'm not a good runner. I'm very slow, and it just seems like it's one big slugfest. And um, I had some teammates at that time. I was training with a, a, a other group of triathletes, and they're like, "Hey, you should try a, a half." And I was like, "No way!" And then I said, "Okay." Part of the reflection that I went through when I was fifty was coming to grips with some of the insecurities that I had allowed to be a part of my life for far too long, yeah. and living in fear of failure, or living in fear of what other people would say or think. And I said, "Okay, Paul." You got to, you got to move past the fear and it's only a, it's only fear that's keeping you from trying the half. Mm-hmm. So sign up, just put the money down and start training for it. And my very first half was, um, Galveston, Ironman, yeah. Texas and Galveston, where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, this was, um, what, four or five years ago. It was the most awful weather day that, that you can imagine. I had two friends who did it with me between, uh, between the two of them, they had 11 full distance Ironman races. And after the race, they said, Paul, that was the hardest weather day that any of us have raced in. Mm. It was like low forties. When we got there in the morning, it was freezing cold. Mm -hmm. Wind was just howling. And, um, once I got out of the water, I was just, I was so, so cold got on the bike, which, you know, you're wet yeah, and you're riding a bike and the wind was in my face both ways. Mm-hmm. And it was just one big slug fest. And then uh, it kind of got a little bit more uh, realistic weather-wise during the run, but it was a long, hard day, but I finished and I finished um, 7.31. My goal was to finish 7.30 and I thought, okay, I missed wow. the bike but but over 70 miles, I'll, I'll take the extra minute. And yeah, that's I a just, pretty close approximation of your finish. It was so satisfying. And I felt so proud of the accomplishment. And um, so I actually kind of fell in love with the, the 70.3 distance. Mm-hmm. It, seems, it seems like a, a, an enormous challenge. But um, with the proper training, I think it's doable mm-hmm. for me. And so, um, I determined I would do, I would do at least five more halves. Okay. All the time, kind of that lingering thought, could I go 140.6? And again, 
if 13 mile run seemed impossible, the 26 mile run after a 112 mile bike ride seemed like, yeah, that's not even realistic. You yeah. could never do that. Yeah. And uh, ended up doing some more halves, a couple more quarter distant races. And then I, I remember I was driving in the car one day and it was like, okay, Paul, we're right back where we were. It's fear that's keeping you from signing up for a full. So we're not going to live in this fear any longer. Find a race, sign up for it and get trained. Mm. And that's, and so then I, I, I looked at Ironman, Texas. I looked at Ironman, um, Arizona, looked at Ironman, Wisconsin, um, looked at maybe two or three other races. And I just, my love, my heart was with the Wisconsin race for a number of different reasons. And so I signed up and pushed that send button of my registration. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> and that was in 2019. So my race was scheduled for 2020. So I trained for, you know, all those months. Yeah. And eight weeks before they canceled during the COVID. Mm. And I've, I, but at, you know, I was actually kind of relieved because yeah. I don't think I was ready, as ready as I needed to be. Okay. And so I actually welcomed the additional year to train. Okay. Um, there was some things I wanted to work on. I wasn't excited about training through another Texas summer, of course, yeah. but um, there was still some, particularly in the area of running, that I needed to get much stronger. And so um, I actually enjoyed that second year of training for that race. And then, then race day came. Wow. There's such, there's so many similarities in our, in our paths, to be honest with you, Paul, as I'm, yeah. as I'm listening to you, tell it to me. Um, I, I, I was a little younger than you when I came, when I came to triathlon, but I also had kind of a realization of I was getting older and what, you know, I've got a beautiful wife, a happy marriage, two beautiful kids, but what, you know, what have I done? Right. I'm yeah. not where I thought I would be when I was a teenager. Um, I didn't have a, a, a very good track record of finishing things that I started. Mm -hmm. I was notorious mm -hmm. for, you know, you had mentioned you had that, you were the first two weeks of the year you were yeah. do. I, I was really bad about starting. I had a lot of energy in the beginning of a project, but it faded for whatever reason. I didn't have a sense of uh, finishing yep. things. Um, I'm curious to know what year you did Galveston um, because I did it in 17. I don't remember the, 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 the air temperature, but my wife said she heard women coming out of the water making the statement that childbirth was easier than that swim <laughs> that swim was so choppy uh that day and, and as you know we're in early april um yeah. i'm a little nervous about the weather that we're going to experience this year we've we're one week away from from freezing temperatures uh here in texas right and so that's anything could happen I, I'm pretty sure I would have to look at my, uh, my journal, but I'm pretty sure it was 2015. So I'm just saying this, I think Galveston every year probably has bad weather, right? So that's you know, what every I'm... year. Yeah. Every year there's either some kind of bad weather, uh, like t I think a year ago it was, um, 
it was delayed during the bike because of lightning storms. Yeah. Yeah. So you're always running into weather. Plus, you know, with the wind coming off the, the golf, it, that, oh, that yeah. back leg into uh, transition two is just horrible. But, um, you know, actually the, the year I ran it, the warmest I was, was when I was in the water. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I thought, you know, I was dreading jumping in. I'm like, this is going to be so cold, but it was the, the water temperature was warmer than the air temperature. So wow. it was actually a nice out of the wind warm. And then, then you get to the finish of the swim and you have to get out and peel out of your wetsuit. And the wind was just howling and I was freezing as was a everybody. lot of other people. Yeah. Everybody else. Um, but yeah. And so, um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of similarities in our, in our story. And I think there, a lot of mine was fear. A lot of mine yeah. was fear of failure, fear of looking stupid. I, I remember, I remember when I first, I, right before my first, uh, sprint, the, uh, play try here in North Texas, they held like a, uh-huh. a clinic and I had ordered my, I had ordered some trash shorts, uh, off of like Amazon or something like that. And I showed them to my wife and my wife said that, that can't be what you're going to wear outside. That, that, <laughs> that can't be right. Me. Right. So I took them with me to the, 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 tra- the thing. And after it was over, I went up to the, the guy that was leading the thing, the, like the clinic or whatever. And I, and I was like, man, I got a question. I have a question for you. And I'm embarrassed to ask, but I, I don't want to look stupid on race day. He said, sure. What, you know, what's up? And I was like, yeah this is what I bought. Are, are these really what I'm supposed to wear? And this guy, so I'm, I'm six foot tall. I'm probably at this point in my life, I weigh one eighty. I think I had gotten down to one eighty, and he was, he was like six two, probably two forty. And he looked at me and he said, um, I guarantee you're going to look better in those than I will. <laughs> and so I was like, really, this is what I'm supposed to wear. He goes, yeah. you got, he goes, you got it chief. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was so afraid of showing up to the race oh. venue and someone saying, what are you, what are you wearing? That's like, you're supposed to wear something over the, like I was wearing like underwear or something. Right. <laughs> I was so embarrassed and afraid, no, I- but. I yeah. have those same reservations, but uh, going back to something you, you said about your experience um, is I really resonate with because you were saying that you had a number of things that you didn't follow through or finish. Yeah. And that was one of the dawnings that I had during that period of reflection is that I was, I was famous for starting stuff with a lot of energy, buying all the equipment. And then, you know, months later, it's just all accumulating space in the garage and I'm not using it. And it was actually a thing that my wife would be like, oh, no, what are you starting now? And mm-hmm. how much money are we going to spend on it that you're not going to use? And I think that she really thought that was going to happen with triathlon. Too. Yeah. Um, but um, I adopted a mantra. When I, when I came out of that two-year period of reflection and set these five things um, on my schedule to accomplish before I die, um, I... I I selected a mantra. I will not quit. Mm-hmm. And if I think you and I met through uh, the pathetic triathlete group, we did. And uh, all my posts that I place on there, I end with my, you know, mantra, I will not quit. And that, that was really serious determination in my life is if you start down this road, it's going to get hard and you are not going to give up until you reach your goal. 
Yeah. And that's, that's been a, that, that helped change, not just that area of my life, but a number of other different areas of seeing things through. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I don't know how it was for you, but, it, but it was proving to myself that, that I could see a project through its completion. And, and since then, while I haven't finished college, I have, I literally lack one credit of getting my associate's degree. I did get my PMP, which is a project uh, management degree, which was uh-huh. what I set out to do. And that took me two years of studying and uh, documenting and all that. So I did, I did prove that I had the ability to finish a project. I, I once took a, a running and driving car completely apart and didn't put it back together. Oh, I yeah. sold, I sold it in pieces. So I, I, I have this thing like, uh, it's a running joke amongst my circle of, I don't finish projects. And yeah. so, um, it was nice to be able to prove to myself that I was able to do that. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you, um, that you're comfortable on the 70.3, which I also, uh, believe the 70.3 is a fantastic distance. It's, it's a, it's enough to where you have to train for it. Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared. It's not as expensive. Uh, and to be honest, most of my non-triathlon friends think it's the same thing as an Ironman. <laughs> like they don't distinguish the difference between right. the 70.3 and the 440 for six. Um, so where are you at? Are you, you've completed Wisconsin. Are you, do you have your sights set on doing another one? Are you, are you comfortable in the 70.3? Like where, where are you at? Um, my goal was I wanted to finish three Ironman races. Okay. And, um, but so I, I did Wisconsin. So my goal is still out. I'd still like to finish two other races. Um, but because of their expense, I'm not going to do one this year. And because of the inordinate amount of time it takes to train for them, I don't think I could do that either to myself, my job, or my marriage. Yeah. uh, You know, two years in a row. And so um, I'm kind of hoping to do another 70.3 this summer and some other uh, quarter distant races. But um, yeah, I would like to do a couple more. Naturally, I, I came away from Wisconsin very satisfied that I accomplished that. But I also walked away dissatisfied. I I wanted a little different finish time. Um, Wisconsin bike course like kicked my butt. Like I never even could have imagined that many hills one after another and then have to do it twice. And Mm. so I'd like to get stronger um, or find a more level bike course. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, the run's always a beat down for me. I'm, I'm just my my endurance i i've never been able to figure out how to become a stronger runner um i'm sure some of it has to do with training or failure to train properly but um i don't have big hopes of you know finishing strong in the run but i i would like it to be um a little less miserable <laughs> than, ah, I gotcha. than my first one it was it was a hard day well, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you what your finish time in Wisconsin was, but I'm guessing that you weren't within one minute of your predicted finish time ba- based on what no, you, what so you characterized my, my goal it. Time, my goal time was 15, uh, 15 hours and 30 minutes. That, that's what I wanted to do it in. Mm-hmm. I ended up finishing uh, 16.09, and that 40 minutes is exactly the 40 minutes I spent longer on the bike than I had planned. Mm. So you were pretty, I, you were pretty close on your approximation on the other, th- the other two. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go, um, I wanted to go 
an hour and a half on the swim. I got out at 125. Mm-hmm. So I was five minutes ahead. And then I promptly lost all that in transition. <laughs> and uh, Wisconsin transition is, is a bit, um, it's spread out. So um, took me a little while to get navigated through it all. Got on my bike. And my goal uh, to do the bike was uh, 7.30 at the latest, I, uh, meaning seven hours and 30 minutes. So I thought if I could do seven, that would just be icing on the cake. I'd be so far ahead of, of schedule. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being eight hours and 10 minutes. And then uh, I actually had a decent run for me. I, you know, I ran six hours and something, just uh, six hours and a few minutes, which um, I basically had two even splits between the 13 miles. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. So I was pleased with that. The last three miles I walked, I, I just couldn't make anything go faster than a walk. But I had, I had done the math mentally and figured out even if I walked the last three miles, I'd still I'd still finish in time. But there was there was three points during the day that I was worried that I wasn't going to make the cutoff or mm. that I wouldn't finish in the 17 hours. And I, I couldn't have imagined anything more devastating for me personally. I know yeah. other people... Yeah. Uh, find their way through that. But I just thought all the money, the seven years that I spent getting ready for this and then not to be able to finish in time, I just thought that would have been awful. And so at mile uh, 23 of the run, looking at my watch, figuring out how long I thought it would take me to do those last three miles, I, I knew I could get to the finish line on time. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. I, I, I seriously have a problem that I need to, that I might need help with and I might need professional help because, uh, while I, while I, I want to be less competitive, I couldn't stop every time you would, you gave me your, your, uh, finish time. I had to look around. I'm turning behind me to look at my, my, uh, my medal to see where I was. You're, you're definitely a faster swimmer than I am. Uh, when I, and of course the courses aren't the same, so it's not a fair yeah. Uh, comparison, but, uh, I, I was in the water, uh, an hour and 43 minutes in yeah. Texas. Um, and then it was, it was smooth sailing from there. I, there's no secret. I'm a horrible swimmer and I hate the swim the most. And the swim was the thing that I feared the most. And I knew that I could, I knew that I could survive the bike and I knew I could walk the run, uh, if it came down to it. And I did uh, a lot of the run, uh, or walking, but, um, it's so funny. So I have to, I have to deal with that internally. Um, but, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, I'm not very competitive like versus other people. I'm kind of competitive against myself and that's really where I was struggling, uh, particularly on the bike. I got really discouraged that second loop knowing I had all those hills to do again and I could feel, I, I could see my, you know, miles per hour average going down off of my race plan. But um, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable in the water. And the, the challenge at Wisconsin was, you know, I was trying to stay as close to the buoys as, as possible. And every other athlete was trying to do the same. Mm-hmm. So for both loops, it was just a big slugfest. They're running into people, clobbering people um, next to people. I had one guy somebody grabbed my ankle, pulled me backwards. And I thought that's just wrong. <laughs> and, um, he's like, get back so, here, buddy. But I was fine on the swim. I, I just, once I kind of found my rhythm, I, I, it was hard to find a rhythm because of all the other people in the way, but 
kind of got into a bit of a rhythm and it was just a matter of getting it done. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, my, my big challenge turned out to be the bike course. Um, I had heard about Hills, the Hills I had trained on Hills, but I obviously had not trained, um, with enough Hills to really match that course. Yeah. It's tough. If you don't have, if you're not racing on a, a quote unquote home course, it's hard to prepare yourself yeah. based on what other people I experienced that in Waco on the run. They're like, Oh, the Hills, the Hills, the Hills. Well, I thought I was prepared for the Hills. I was not prepared for oh, the Hills. You're talking about Cameron Park. Cameron Park Hill. <laughs> I was not prepared for the Cameron Park Hill at all. Um, hey, so you you mentioned that we met through the the Pathetic Triathletes Facebook yeah. group, which I know that you were um, a, a, an active poster uh, in. Uh, you, you did a lot of posting, and I think it's a I think it's a an, a great. Um, it's a great support system. Obviously, you know, like anything, there's a few people that take things too far and they get a little spicy, chippy, whatever you want to call it. But I think for the most part, <laughs> yeah. um, talk me through uh, a little bit because you had mentioned it on one of your posts and it's something that while I experienced it, I don't know that I realized I was experiencing it. But you went, you know, you turned 50, you set out this goal of doing an Ironman race you signed up during the COVID year, so you had an extra year to train, and then you completed the course. Talk me through the period right after having completed this this thing that you had thought about for for years, and you spent multiple yeah. hours training for, and now it was done. What yeah. did you do after that? Well, you know, I had heard I. I like to read and, and talk to other people. So I had heard about the fact that, you know, post-race, it can be challenging to motivate again. And, and um, I thought, oh, that won't be my problem because I'm, I'm just not that kind of person. I can motivate pretty easily. Um, but I finished the race and I thought, well, you know what? That's been a long, hard seven years and long, hard last two years. So I'm going to take a break. I thought, you know, I'd take a month off and just sort of relax, finally cut the grass, fix things around <laughs> the house, <laughs> you know, were broken or whatever, and be available to my wife and, and my sons in ways that I hadn't for the last, you know, year for sure. And I just thought, well, I'll just take a break. I won't, I won't do anything hard. And then the next thing I know, it was three months, and mm -hmm. I had done almost nothing. I think I swam once between um, last month and, and the race. And I literally, and I don't want to take anything away from the genuine experience of PTSD because it's, it's very vivid for some people, but I joke about the fact that I had PTSD after the bike yeah. and I literally have been on my bike one time since September. That's even still. Yeah. 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 I went out for my first ride the other day. I just kind of scolded myself. Paul said, get over it. You got to get busy again. So just get on the bike, do a ride, just get yeah. a ride done. Yeah. And, um, I've been doing a little bit of running and I'm back to swimming. So, um, just trying to kind of build a base up again, but yeah, there was just this, I don't know what it was a little bit lost and a little bit worn out. And I, I guess the thing that's really been, um, the most disturbing to me, I don't, I don't know if that's the right word is, I just didn't realize how much of my life I had put, you know, suspended 
mm-hmm. order to train for this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying, you know, getting chores done around the house or getting back. I'm a sculptor. So, you know, putting my hand to that again and, and just having free time. Yeah. Cause when you're training for one of these things, it seems like there's no free time. You're plus again, everybody's different. I, I'm a contemplative kind of person. So I felt like for seven years and certainly for those last three or four years before I'm in Wisconsin, it's all I thought about. Mm-hmm. All I thought about was eating right, sleeping right, training right, staying on top of my equipment right. You know, everything mm-hmm. was, you know, am I, am I doing enough? Am I, and, and um, finally, when that sort of structure and discipline and regiment is gone, meaning you're done, I just, I did, I felt a little lost. I, I didn't know where to go from there. And I had a number of people talk to me. I, I talked with them about it and they're like, well, it sounds like you need a new why. You need to figure out why you're doing this. Um, for seven years, it was to accomplish an Ironman race. Mm-hmm. Well, now it has to be something different because you did that. So why are you going to continue racing? And I, I think I'm still kind of sorting through some of that. Um, but yeah, the just the the intensity changed so suddenly that yeah. um, I was I was kind of scrambling trying to figure out where I go from here. I don't know if that makes sense, but that it was does. My experience. Yeah, it does. I mean, I I again, our I think our stories are similar. I I you know it was it was uh, started with a sprint. I did um, two half distances. I finally made the commitment to do the, to the full, I didn't have a history of finishing things. I often would look past to the next thing before I had finished something. And I think iron, the Ironman experience is the first thing in my life that I actually realized that I lived in the here and the now I did multiple Facebook live updates from the Ironman village there before, after the race, I actually held a Facebook press conference and retired from the sport. And in the background of the video, cause it comes up every year on my memories, you can hear my wife holler out like, Woo-hoo! right. And, and so I, I didn't know what to do. I, I still had plans to go to the gym. I hurt my foot shortly after. And then of course I didn't go to the gym. COVID hit. I looked up and I had gained back um, 20 mm-hmm. something pounds while, yeah. you know, while Ironman is not a weight loss program, you, you focus on your nutrition, you're exercising, you, you lose weight. I mean, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. And so I didn't know what to do except sign up for another race. That was the only thing I knew to do. Yeah. And, and so I started back again last year. I, I, I within like five minutes of recognizing I needed to do something, I signed up and paid like we were literally on the way to, to go have dinner with somebody. And I mentioned it to my wife and she's like, okay. And I, I, I registered and paid as soon as we got to the parking lot. I'm like, I'm in, I'm I'm done. It's, it's done and done and I'm committed. And now I have this goal again. And it's very hard to stay motivated when you don't have the thing that you're working towards for sure. And I've recognized that in order for me to stay committed to training, I, I need to put money down and have that thing. Cause you need that accountability. I'm frugal, I'm frugal enough. I'm not going to walk away from a race registration. I will show up if I paid for it. So, yeah. um, 
But yeah, after Wisconsin, I took a break. I had a marathon in December uh, following that September. So I stayed, I stayed on the running plan um, or a running plan and I finished that marathon. And then I said, well, I'll just sort of coast through the holidays and in January I'll get started again. And, and the truth of the matter is I didn't. And I'm just now getting rolling again. I'm swimming uh, two nights a week and running. I, now I just got to figure out how to phase that bike back in. So how was your, cause you've, you've, you've mentioned a few times already that you, I don't want to say hate because hate is such a strong word, but that's the word you used, Paul, Yes, uh, that you hate running, that you hate running. How was your standalone marathon experience for you? Um, I've done three standalone marathons. The first one, uh, you know, was, um, it was great through about mile 18. And then for the first time in my life, I truly knew what people were talking about, hitting a wall and bonking. Mm -hmm. I yeah. wasn't, do, I wasn't doing my nutrition right. So I walked the last eight, eight miles of that race and I finished, uh, like six fifteen. And again, it was my first time I had a buddy like literally run every step with me or walk with me. He was great. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very talented runner. So he just gave himself to supporting me that day. And, and so I had a good experience, but I was like, wow, after mile 18, I was, I was toast. Yeah, And what I identified was I had really mismanaged or really hadn't managed at all um, nutrition and hydration. I, I ate a couple of things throughout the day, but I wasn't purposeful. Mm-hmm. And so that whole next year, I literally signed up to do that same race again, uh, Rock and Roll Marathon San Antonio. Uh, two weeks later, I signed up because I'm like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to figure out how to do this. <laughs> right. And I spent a lot of time studying and learning about nutrition and I, you know, I, I never knew this before. I, Paul Wilson needs about, uh, you know, 300 calories an hour if he's going to, you know, stay ahead of the game. I didn't know that. I was just drinking stuff. I was just eating yeah. stuff. And um, so I came back the next year and um, ran the entire race, uh, putting down 250 to 300 calories an hour really managing it, like being intentional. Like I eat these three packets of, you know, goo here right now because mm-hmm. it's the hour and, uh, ended up doing it in five, five hours and, uh, four minutes or, or oh, something like good that. Good for you. So I took in a whole hour off and I thought, oh, well that's, that's a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, my standalone of this last one, um, I was back in the six hour range. I had been training. I had been training to do a marathon. I, I trained, I was really, I think my longest run before that race was maybe 13 miles and I hadn't really pushed to do the 16 or 18 mile run a few weeks before. So I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be, but I also was, um, I was a little different mind. I was just like, Paul, just go enjoy the day. Don't, don't fret about making a time or making Mm -hmm. this about a PR just, or PB, just, just do it and have fun and pet dogs and visit with people. And and so I kind of did it kind of more recreationally and um, walked. I think the last five miles was was pretty much all walking. But, you know, I I don't know what it is. Um, My knee doesn't bother me. The knee that I I, uh, tore the ACL back in college, I had it repaired, lived great for 30 years. And then somewhere when I was 50, 
I think 51, I was on a trampoline showing off doing front flips and I destroyed my nice. ACL again. And I didn't have it repaired, but you know, amazingly, my knee doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Hmm. My, uh, I have a friend who's an orthopedic surgeon. He said, Paul, as long as you're not pivoting and turning on your knee, it should be fine. I mean, you've got the muscles built around it. And so, you know, with, with triathlon, you're not pivoting at all. Hmm. And so my, my knee's fine. It's not an excuse, uh, f- for why I like run- running for me. I don't know. It's, um, after a mile, I'm well, the first mile is usually awful. I don't know if you have that same experience, but the first mile is like, have you ever run a day in your life? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in the height of my training. So the first mile, then I sort of settle in around two, three and four mm-hmm. and, you know, five. But then when I start going six, seven and eight, it's just, it just gets so hard for me and I'm not fast to begin with. So then you just get discouraged about how long it's taken you just to get the run done. Yeah. I, I also think the, the, I'd say the first half mile for me is the most awkward. And then I settle in pretty quick. Now I've recently been dealing with a tight hip flexor that mm-hmm. aside, um, my half marathon times, I I'm pretty comfortable with, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I ran uh, a half marathon on September 11th, uh, 145. And oh, then I yeah. did one December 17th, uh, like 148. Um, so I'm pretty, I think I could improve a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I don't have any complaints there. Yeah. Um, beyond that, that's a whole nother world. Once you get past that 13 miles, yeah. the full marathon. Oh man, that's it's, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. And I do them. I, you know, I do, I've run some half marathons and some full marathons and I do them strictly out of spite. Like Paul, you are going to learn how to be a runner. You are going to learn how to get into the right mind and train yourself. You're not going to let this continue to dominate you. And so I keep signing up for running races, not because I love, but I'm going to learn (laughs) how to do this. And, uh, that's just kind of a brutal mind that I have about these sorts of things. And, and, and I'll probably do my second Ironman the same way. It's like, Paul, we're, we're going to figure this out. You're going to do better and, and you'll have to train better and be smarter about doing it, but, um, we're going to figure it out. Gotcha. So you said, you'd said that you had, uh, you originally were going to do three. You've done Wisconsin. You're not going to do one this year and you're going to space them out. Do you have the other race venues in your mind or are you just, yeah, gonna... I'm, I'm positive. I want to do Ironman, Texas. Okay. Um, I live in Texas. You gotta, yeah. you gotta do that Ironman race. Makes total the sense. other, the other third race, um, I haven't completely decided. Um, I, I think, a, a California venue would be really, really pleasant and mm-hmm. such great weather. So, um, I've looked at maybe doing one out there. I've considered Ironman Lake Placid because um, it's near where my parents live and they they would love to come see me race. Okay, yeah. Um, so I may do that, but I've heard that one's really, pretty really hilly. tough. Yeah, yeah it's lot, pretty lots of hills. And so um, I don't think I would do, and again, everybody's different. I, You know, I hear horror stories about the jellyfish at Ironman Maryland. I'm yeah, like, I've no, heard that. I, I'm not into the least bit interested in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard. I heard they. Uh, it's wetsuit legal because of the jellyfish sometimes, not because of the water temperature. But they yeah, just no, allow you to cover your skin as much as possible. Like I've seen pictures, and they talk about. I don't know if this is the right word, but the jellyfish bloom. And I mean, it's just they're thick in the water, yeah. and they talk about you know stinging your face and your ears and your hands. And I'm like. You know, I have enough to worry about on yeah. race day. I, I don't need that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, you know, I just don't have experience with uh, ocean swimming. So trying to get through the break, I think, would be uh, pretty um, intimidating. Uh, maybe once you get out into the open water, it wouldn't be that, mm-hmm. that bad. But getting through those first initial waves, if you have a windy day, uh, is a thing in my mind. But um yeah, I haven't really decided on the third venue. But well, um well, well because you like the fall race, Paul, and I know you love conquering your fear, yeah. right? Ironman Cozumel, right? It's uh, it's not a beach start, so you actually you jump off a pier into the water. I am a horrible swimmer, but I have actually swam in those waters uh-huh. and it's a fantastic swim. I have heard good things about Cozumel. Yeah. Now, and I think it's a two-loop bike course, pretty flat, too. Yeah. I don't know what the elevation is, but it's a, it's a flat island. I don't think there's any... Uh, now, this right. year they had a lot of rain and stuff like that, but uh, if I do another one, uh, that's my race. Cozumel. Yeah, no, that's a great suggestion, and that one has been. I've also heard um, the one in Canada. Um, Montreblanc? Montreblanc is supposed to be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I had a I had a friend that did that one, but yeah, Cozumel would be uh, maybe a great destination race to do, and yeah, maybe if I could talk my wife into you know, hey, let's make it a vacation. Yeah, maybe race-cation. she'll be a little bit uh, more agreeable to all the training that would take to get ready for it. Gotcha. Keeping with the pathetic triathletes group, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite Oreo variation? <laughs> Are you a traditional, you double yeah, stuff? Are you the lemon? Like what, what do you, what's, what's your go-to? I'm a traditional double stuffed guy. Um, like my Oreos. Um, occasionally I'll eat the, I guess the vanilla ones, the, the yellow Oreo with, the, but I'm pretty much a double stuffed guy. And I don't know if you know this, Mike, but there's a, there's an art that I've been introduced to that is a game changer. And that is. I'm listening. You know, Oreos can't be without milk. You have to have a glass of cold milk. Absolutely. Um, But if you take a fork and put the fork in the cream, Mm -hmm. then you can dunk it down in the the milk without losing it. And then you just pull the fork out and stick that thing right in your mouth. And it's, it's, Uh, it's so much better than a spoon. It's, it's a game changer. So I'm going to try that next time. Now I'm in training now, so I'm not eating Oreos currently, but Oreo is the best of all the cookies for sure. But I have to say the when you lose the Oreo, when you're dunking the Oreo in the milk and you lose the Oreo, you lose the grip or whatever, and the Oreo falls, you're immediately disappointed for sure. But there is that sense of satisfaction when you drink the milk. You have that perfectly saturated, (laughs) soggy Oreo cookie that Uh is like that added surprise or treat at the end of the experience (laughs) that it just, it outweighs the disappointment of having lost the cookie to begin with. No, that lost cookie at the bottom of the glass is is always a nice treat. Um, Yes. But I think there is this kind of this perfect place of saturation where 
You know, mm. if you're pulling it back out with the spoon, it can be a little too soft. I got gotcha. you. So the fork just provides okay. a great control. So fork into the cream and fork then into you the cream. Dip, dip it, it in there. The I'm going to try that. Yeah. I, I am going to, yeah. I might break my training regiment uh, this week and I'll get some, I'll, I'll, but I'll have to buy like the, the packet at the, the, uh, yes. The grocery, not the grocery store, but at like the, the convenience store. Yeah, yeah, there you go. If I buy the yeah. big pack of Oreos, <laughs> I, I'll have to, I'll have to get an, an extra bike workout or something like right. that. No, don't do that. Hey, so speaking of bikes, I'm obsessed yeah. with bikes. I always ask okay. all my guests about their bikes. So what kind of bike, uh, what kind of bike do you ride? I'm on a Kestrel Talon. Okay. I don't even know what year. Okay. Um, here's a, here's an awesome story. Um, so I'm starting out triathlon seven years ago i have a road bike Mm -hmm. it's old it's heavy um i have a buddy that he was training to be an iron man and he ended up hurting his back Mm. and i knew this he had told me that story but one day i'm over his house i'm helping him with something i walk in his garage and here's this in my mind this beautiful triathlon bike literally hanging on the wall it's full of pigeon crap and oh, no. spider webs. In fact, it still had dried Gatorade all down the the, the tubes. Oh my goodness! Because he, he had just hung it up. He had done, and his, his back didn't work. And I said, uh, "What are you doing with that bike?" And he says, "Would you like to use it?" And I was like, "Well, maybe." I said, "If I <laughs> clean it up, can I use it?" That's the bike I've been on for seven years. Oh, get out of here! Seriously? Yeah, I don't even own my own bike. I, oh, I have wow. my sights set on owning my own bike I, before I do another Ironman, I'd like to have kind of my, my dream bike, but, um, so what's your dream bike? I'm somewhere between a felt or a, a Trek, uh, speed concept mm. or felt, what is it? IA or whatever. But, uh, I look, I look at try and sell it and a couple other yeah. spots hoping to find, uh, the bike. I found one like a year and a half ago. I found like, it was the bike that I dreamt about and it was in a great price range. And I called the guy or messaged the guy said, I really would like this. He said, well, I'm not shipping. He lived in, uh, I think he was in Chicago and he said, uh, I, yeah, let me try to sell it locally. And so I kept seeing it stayed up. The ad stayed up. So I waited a week or so and I, I wrote back and said, I'm still interested in your bike. He said, I just sold it uh, to the guy locally. So, yeah, um, I'll get it, but I'm, I'm saving. I got this little, uh, little, uh, savings account going. Yeah. I got some and, squirrel um, money. Yeah. I, you know, I do weddings and, and some other things now and then I get paid for doing that. So I'm just like, ah, I'm going to put that toward my bike fund. Uh, being a guest on podcasts doesn't pay anything, Paul. We should have already covered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm starting to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help you with your bike fund. <laughs> um, yeah. So re- well, we're done here then. Okay. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Finish this thing on yourself. Yeah. Reg- re- regular listeners of the show are tired of me uh, telling the story, but I almost got a new to me bike last year, um, uh-huh. but it ended up selling. I found a Trek speed concept in my size. I, I ride a large, which is okay. not an easy size to find for some reason. It was this beautiful uh, blue. It had the DI2 shifting. Um, it was $4,000, Yeah, but really not that expensive, all things being equal. Uh, my wife, without hesitation, said, that ain't happening. Uh, so <laughs> I 
con- I convinced her over the next two weeks about how I would sell my current bike and I would offset the cost. And it wasn't, right. wasn't $4,000. It was, and she's like, Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Well, by the time I've got her to come around, the bike was gone. It was sold. Right. right? Similar deal. It's just how it goes. But, um, I, I, I love my bike. I've got a Trek speed concept. And so we'll, we'll just stick with that. We'll just stick with that. So. Well, since I'm not paying you, uh, our time has come to the end. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We, we, we are. We, it's hard to imagine uh, that our time is up. Um, yeah. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, talking to you, but I always ask uh, or always give my guests an opportunity um, if they want to share any um, last, you know, words of wisdom or encouragement or anything like that. Do you have anything um, there, Paul, that you'd like to share? You know, probably just the thing that, that I learned is if if there's any of your listeners who are thinking, I could never do a 70.3, I could never do 140.6, um, you, you can. And, and here's what I learned. You can do anything that you train for. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get up off the couch tomorrow and do it. Yeah. But if you get a plan and you get the support that you need from a couple people around you, uh, if you train toward it, you can do it. And, you know, before I did my first half, I was out running one day with a friend and um, he's pretty close and he's kind of followed my journey. And he starts quizzing me. He says, hey, tell me about your first Tough mutter. Tell me about your fifth Tough mutter. Hey, tell me about your first um, quarter distance race. Hey, tell me about your first sprint. Tell me about that first half marathon you wrote. And I'm I'm not even, I'm running, so I'm miserable, right? So yeah. I'm not even seeing what he's doing. And he, he tracks like almost five years of my athletic journey at that point. Hmm. And uh, he goes, so do you see, do you see what I'm showing you? And I said, no. He goes, you've, you've finished every, everything you've trained to do. Hmm. He says, and at that time I was thinking I'll never be able to do 70.3 because I can't run 13 miles. He said, no, you can, you'll just have to train toward it. Hmm. And if you train toward it, you will do it because you've demonstrated over five years now that anything that you set out to do, if you put in the work, you accomplish it. Wow. And that was just, it was so eye opening to me. And I can honestly tell you that when I finished Ironman Wisconsin, that lesson just, it just blew up in my head. Like, yes, I, I can do this kind of stuff. Hmm. It's hard and there's, it's a long journey and it's not without its challenges, but you trained, you trained for seven years, you stuck with it and you did it. The same guy who for 40 years said I could never do something like that. Yeah. So I, I have a big place in my heart for the person whose, you know, fears or insecurities are holding them back from trying what they dream of doing. And um, so that's what I'd say to that listener who's thinking I could never go that far. You could. Mm-hmm. You could. And um, so train toward it. Stick with it. I mean, if I quit every time I had wanted to quit, oh, yeah. um, I would have never gotten there. But um I'll tell you this one last story and we got to go one day I was so training for Ironman Wisconsin. I was out, I had a, I had a four hour bike ride to do. And, um, I was about an hour into the race and I was out on this little spur, um, five mile spur that brought me back to the, the main route I was on. 
And uh, so I was turning around on that spur and I ended up hitting some gravel that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And I went down, hit the deck really, really hard Mm. and tore up my forearm and um, busted up my uh, wrist, started swelling. Um, But I I was pretty sure nothing was broken, but man, I was really bummed up. Um, And so I, you know, got a drink, got something to eat, got back. I had to bend my brake lever back into place. And, um, so I had five miles, uh, to get back to the main spur. Okay. And so, you know, what is that about 15 minutes for me? And that I, I couldn't get into arrow because my, you know, my arm was so torn up and my wrist was hurting so bad. And that whole, you know, 15 minutes that I was trying to get back to the main route, I was just in this mental dilemma, like, okay, if I, if I go left, when I get back to the main road, I'll be back at the car in about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. But if I go right, I still have another three hours. Mm. And that, I mean, I'm talking debate, 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 but go left, go right, go left, go right. And I just remember thinking to myself, Paul, I think what you choose to do right here is going to determine if in fact you're prepared to do an Ironman. Wow. And I got to that stop sign and I went right. There you go. And it was miserable. My, my, <laughs> my body hurt so bad from that fall and I couldn't get into arrow. And I was sort of like doing a half arrow, like one arm was in arrow, the other was up on my brake levers. And, and um, I, I, that was a real turning point in my mind. That was to say, okay, you're, you can do hard stuff. You will always choose to endure, to get through the hard stuff, to finish the challenge. And I, I really felt like, and I, I don't want to be sappy about this, but I, I was like, I really felt like I became an Ironman that day. Mm. And the last couple of months that it took to, you know, before race day and then finally doing race day, in some sense was, it certainly wasn't easy, but mentally I knew I would finish if I could just keep moving forward. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? You, you, with there's so many doubters out there in the world, but sometimes it's it's convincing ourselves sometimes yeah, that yeah. takes the, the 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 most amount of work, or at least for me, I'm not trying to project on anybody, yeah, no, but no. but yeah, I think I, I have probably more self doubt than than anybody else doubts me. Uh, yeah, but that's fun. I had a I had a good friend who he was training for his first Ironman too, and and he and I would talk over the phone and kind of compare notes. And he's, and he would, he noted that about me. He said, Paul, you are one of the most generous, gracious people to other people that I've ever met. You encourage, you cheer, you think anybody can do anything, but the way you talk to yourself is the complete opposite. You're always doubting yourself, running yourself down. He said, you got to stop that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he uh, started holding me accountable that anytime I'd write an email or we'd be talking on the phone and some of that negative talk would come up, he'd go, you're doing it. Stop it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> calling you and, out. Uh, yeah. Holding me accountable to it. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. The mind, the mind is enormous muscle when it comes to becoming an Iron Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, countless people have said that it's the, the mental toughness that it takes to become an Ironman out outweighs the physical toughness yes. that it takes to Hands become an down. Ironman for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, man, I'm glad that you're, uh, I'm glad that you, you, you've dusted off the cobwebs of your bike and you've gotten it back out on the road and you're getting to yep. swim again. And you've at least got your sights on a 70.3 this year. Now I'm not going to put any more pressure on the, you than you already pressured, but races are selling out, Paul. So you better, you better yes, put some are. money down if you think you're going to be racing, uh, in 2022. Otherwise you're, it's going to be a whole nother year, buddy. So, yeah. uh, Act fast. That's all I'm going to say. No, I appreciate that. That's good advice. Yeah, but stay. Let's, let's stay in touch. Let us know uh, what race you settle on, and okay. I will. Uh, I'll put your name in the little Ironman tracker on race day, which is this is the coolest thing in the world to be able to tra- track the people that you meet uh, and get the little alerts. I I was out uh, last fall. I was tracking a couple of athletes and we had, my wife and I had gone to the store and I'm, I'm getting these messages and she's like, who's texting you all day? And I'm like, no, I'm following some people on the Ironman course. And she's like, oh, okay. That's pretty cool. I'm on a great triathlon team. They're all amazing triathletes and I love following them on race day. Yeah. And the funny thing is most of the races are on Sunday and yeah. I'm working on Sunday. <laughs> so it's always funny me peeking over at my phone uh updating me with where my teammates are that's funny that's so funny you're, you're right in front of your congregation and your your ironman checkers going off <laughs> exactly. exactly that is too funny well paul i i really do appreciate it, it was nice to uh it was nice to speak to you it's nice to hear your story um and i wish you all the best in whatever race you decide to race uh next well thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode if you have any questions advice that you would like to share or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com also don't forget to follow on instagram at everydayironmanpodcast until next time keep moving forward